You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. All right, it's uh, great to be here. Uh, I don't know what illustrious means, so I think that's good, so thank you very much for that. It is a really tough spot to preach uh, at this time, 5.30, the aroma of the food is coming this way, and then I came in, and then I saw uh, Devon and Shelly Smith, and he goes, you better be good, because I'm really tired, I'm really hungry, I'm stretching a little bit, but I think that's what a lot of people feel anyway. So today, uh, we're going to jump right into it, so it's a challenge for me, I love it, to preach where it's, uh, it's you know, got a lot of noise, a little baby in the back action. I think it's going to help us to really focus on God's word. Amen. So we've been talking about uh, the soil of uh, the parable of the sower and Luke. And we've been doing that for the last five weeks. And I know we've been doing parables for the last uh, few months. And Steve and I and Todd talked and, you know, with our wives. And we felt like it was such a great idea that we just kept on going. So we're going to talk today about the parable of the good soil. I don't know about you, but uh, I am the least objective person when it comes to me and it's me and probably the next closest person is my mother so they i mean we only see good things about me right and it used to be lena but uh, we've been married for 28 years so she's gotten to know me so she's less objective about me uh now so uh you know so it's, it's a little bit tough to talk about today the good soil because we got to figure out what does it mean to have a good soul how do we know that we have a good heart before God. I don't, because sometimes when I get arguments with Lena or, or some other people, you know, I always try to justify myself. Like, this is what I did, okay? And even if I'm wrong, I'll argue with Lena, I'll say, well, that's not what I meant, but this is what I meant. My intentions are good. So it's always like back to me, and I don't really have a good and accurate gauge of where my heart is. I don't know about you, but that's where I'm at at times. Uh, even at the uh, marriage retreat, I got in a fight with Lena and we had to sit down with some friends and to talk through things. And, uh, you know, in, in the retreat, it was a marriage retreat last week. It was great. We talked about the four horsemen of, of marriage dynamics and stuff like that. And I'm like, I got all four of them. And uh, we had to sit down and talk it over with our friends. And it was good. It was a good talk. But I don't think I'm the only one that sometimes we have a hard time gauging ourselves. I don't think I'm the only one in just trying to figure out, you know, okay, what do I stand before God and really ask those crucial introspective questions that we need to ask. Since we got Pepperdine, I'm trying to use big words like I wrote down the litany concoction. What does that mean? So I'm trying to use big words too, Ryan Best. Right. So we're trying to figure out okay, what's what's really in my heart. And tonight, as we look at the parable of the good soil, we're going to take a look at that and see what God means um, how he defines what a good soil is. Let's take a look at the next slide. It says, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a good crop. A crop. The Bible lays it out. It says that, hey, look, you, know, you want to know what a good heart is? A good heart is someone that persevere through God's word and retains it and produce a crop. 
And I want to go through this passage today as we have, you know, limited amount of time. So I want to skip right to it. You know, the Bible says that, you know, what's a good heart? Who hears the word? When we persevere, there's a lot of people around the world today that persevere. It's not just us, right? But are we persevering for the right reason? Let's take a look at the next slide. You know, we're at the midway point of the NFL season. And unfortunately, I don't know if you know, the Rams lost again today. It's been rough, right? So one of the things that really stood out at the beginning of the season, right as the season was about to begin, there was a star player who played for the Indianapolis Colts, and he retired as the season was beginning in the middle of a preseason game, and he literally got booed off the field. And his name is Andrew Luck. And he was in line. He was still very young. He was 29 years old, I think, and he was persevering. If you look on, my, on the right side of that screen, look at all the injuries that he suffered. And he basically said, I know, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm due for a big old contract. It's, it's, I think it's like $200 million he was due. And he looked at his life and he goes, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth I've been persevering for a lot of stuff. But he made a decision. It's not worth it. So i got to ask you, just the first question is, as we look at this passage together, is this, are you persevering, but are you persevering for the right things? You know, some of the singles here, you know, we look at relationship and from a distance and we go, wow, that looks so good. But, you know, relationship takes a lot of work. And it takes a lot of work to, to really build that relationship. And, you know, I think about, you know, this case here with Andrew Luck. This is during when he was retiring. He says, listen, it's not worth it to me. Yeah, I'm going to make a lot of money. But I'm not persevering for this anymore. Let's take a look at the next passage here. Uh, the next uh, slide here. It's the same thing in marriage, right? But in a different case. It takes a lot of perseverance to be in a relationship with each other. You know, you start off and they say that the first two years of your marriage is technically when you're newlywed still. And you still got those chemicals going that you look at each other and, you know, everything's really good. And I appreciate the, the Filipinos. You know, we lived in the Philippines for a while and they always have a little joke for everything. And it's so true. He goes, you know, the Philippines says that, you know, when you get married, there are three kinds of rings. The first one is the engagement ring when you first ask each other. And then during the wedding day, what do you get? You get the wedding ring. And then after a couple of years of marriage, it's the suffering. <laughs> that's, what, uh, that's what Ellie said to Jason. Yeah, it's true. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to have a relationship. And, you know, we learned this last week at the marriage retreat, and, and it was great. You know, this guy, you know, the Gottman Institute, they are able to predict with a 90% accuracy when they meet someone for the first or two sessions, and 90% accuracy of who will get a divorce. 90%. And there are some things that they look for. You know, as they look at each other, do they talk to each other? When they, do they look at each other in the eye? Or do they kind of just look off to the side? And, and these little signs of something that's in what? Their hearts. These are little signs. Of what's inside. And they're 90% right. And uh, you know. I, I, I think about it. I'm a little cynical. I go. Well in this day and age. With like a 65% divorce rate. I mean. You know. I mean. Yeah. 90% is not that impressive. But it is. It is. It is pretty impressive. But it's a glimpse. That's what they see. They see little glimpse of what's in the hearts. And what does God say about the hearts? 
God says, you know, a good heart is someone who's noble, who persevere and produce a harvest. So I want to throw this out to you guys. How you and I respond to God's word. How you and I respond to God's word reveals the true condition of the hearts we have inside us. How we respond to God's word. It's not coming to church. It's not even belonging to a great community that people look at and go, wow, that's church, that's great. It's how do we respond to God's words. And tonight we're going to be taking a look in the next 10 minutes or so, just what kind of heart do we really, really have? Let's take a look at the next slide. It says that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is plastered all over, especially on Sunday, right? See John 3.16 in the end zone and stuff like that. And it's true. It is a great passage that talks about God's love for us. We talk about it in marriage, counseling, right? The tools. Do we have the tools to persevere? It's not just beating against the air. But does God give us some tools to persevere with? And the first tool is this one here. It's the reliance on the love that God has for us. I think if we can internalize this passage, if we can really understand this passage here, that God so loved the world, and personalize it. You know, I'm a late night person, and you know, I remember times in Bangkok, I would... Stay up late. We live, Lena and I lived in the uh, red light district, and uh, we love it. We love the red light district. I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's just so much happening. And I'm a night person, and I go out and have noodles with the brothers. You know, with the guys in the church. And you know, it's like 11 o'clock. And Bangkok is a late night city. It's like New York. It's more than New York even. And I sit there, and inevitably there will be some women who are working, and you know what I'm talking about. You know, in the streets, and we would cheer noodles together. And I sit down, and I talk to them, and and I just, it just, it's just heartbreaking. You just look at them and the, the lives that they live and the things that they think about and the things that they have to do. And, and how I wish, there are a couple of scriptures that how, oh, I wish that they would just know. For God so loved you. That he, you're so much more than $30 an hour. You're so much more than that, you know. And, and I know that's far flung away and it's un, really unrelatable to a lot of us in here, but the truth is, a lot of us, we are so insecure in so many ways as well. That we're so consumed, we're so busy with our insecurities that we, we don't think about how deeply this pass, how profound this passage is. And to take, to take ownership of it, to really own it, and to really believe it, and to live a life that reflects this kind of, of conviction. So as I talk about me and my inability to look at myself objectively, you know, and I, I think I used it wrong at the beginning. This is my, my mom looks at me really subjectively, right? Just like she, she thinks I can do no wrong. Lena says, I'm the, you're the favorite, Ken. You know, so when we look at this passage, it should make us think. But the world is like that too. Sometimes though we look at this passage and it's very shallow, it's very superficial. And we come up with, in our religious world, we come up with words like, you know, come as you are. You know, God loves me the way that I am, just the way that I am. And maybe that's true. And it is true. 
But that's bad theology if you really think about it. Because it's, it's part theology. It's theologically partly right. It's, it's incomplete theology. Because if we just take this passage out, and it's very, very true. But when we come into God's church, when we come into become God's people, He wants so much more for us than just to just to hold on to a few ism or to hold on to a few things that really doesn't really work for us. That's why there are so many people today that you know judge Christians, people that go to church. They go, yeah, you, you know, you go to church, but really. I don't see any difference, except for maybe some guilt. Maybe you fulfill your time on Sundays at a place instead of watching television or football games, but I don't see the difference. There's no power in that. And I want us to think about this, the next slide here. It says, in an imperfect world, filled with imperfect people like you and me, you know, as we look through the parable, you know, the rocky soil, the, 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 the thorny soil, right? The path. The world is imperfect. And the soil is imperfect. We are messed up people. In an imperfect world, God loves us, you, just the way that you are. But God loves you too much to leave you just the way you are. Yeah, he does. It's true. John 3.16, the Bible says it. God loves you. God loves me. And this is, I, I stole this from Andy Stanley. And I, I, I do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think the phrasing is really good. It's so true, isn't it? You know, God loves you the way you are, but God loves you too much to leave you just the way that you are. Can you imagine after last week, me and Lena, after... The marriage retreat, and I'm preaching my wife. She's always trying to ask me, and says, well, what did you learn? <laughs> yeah, I was like, what did you learn? Nothing. I didn't learn anything. I'm like, I don't need, God, you need to love me the way that I am. How discouraging would that be, right? In an imperfect world, filled with imperfect people like you and me. God loves you and me just the way that we are. But God loves us too much to leave us just the way we are. Think about that for a second. So the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for us. But it doesn't end there. In John 3.16, we're going to skip to John 3.19 to 20. He says, this is the verdict. And we don't like that, right? This is the verdict. Well, God has a verdict? That's so mean. You know, I, I said there were a couple of reasons, right? Number one, I think Andy Stanley phrased that phrase really well. But number two, I, I want it to be a quote from someone else because it's not just one person. It's just, that's something that anybody who looks through the scripture will try to fight for. We all know instinctively that it's more to a relationship with God than just a good feeling that we're trying to get for ourselves. Right? This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light 
and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. I had a, an appointment with a brother a couple weeks ago, and he was, you know, we're going through some stuff, and we're, we're talking through some stuff, and he felt like it was a little bit, you know, unfair that he was being singled out, you know, for some discipline, church discipline, and we're talking through stuff. And he, you know, he presented and he said, hey, look, Ken, you know, um, you know there are other people that have done worse stuff than me. I, I'm just telling you, and, you know, it got out, but... You know, there are people that are doing stuff that they're not being open about. You know what I told them? I said, I mean, I've been in the ministry for 30 years. Do you not think that I know that? I mean, I know that, right? But we're not police. You know, we're not policemen. We're not trying to, you know, it's like this is, this is where it's, it's our own personal relationship with God. Right? We're not trying to, you know, pin somebody to the wall or trying to corner somebody with a light on or something like that. We're, we're free will. I mean, this is what we do with God. It, that's our thing. We are a community. What we do affects one another. Absolutely. And when we hear about it, we sit down and we try to help people. We're not trying to pin people down. This is the community. You know, a long time ago, I'm dating myself, but there was a really cool um, hair commercial. It's Vidal Sassoon. Do you guys hear that? You guys remember that? What was their tagline? If 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 we don't if you don't look good, we don't look good. Right? We're inextricably tied together. If you don't know what inextricably means, go ask Ryan. Okay, he's the one he started all those big words today. Okay, we are entwined entwined enmeshed, maybe that's not a good word, together. Okay, what we do, that's maturity. What we do affects one another. It gives people, makes, you know, gives them either a view of the church for what it is, because we all represent God's people. I do know. I do know. I've been around for a while. You know, but we're not going to do that because we trust that we're going to go back to God's word. We're, we're discipled by God's word. We fear God more than we fear people, Right? And we're doing this not just because we want to look good in front of each other, but we want to look good before God. Light has come into the world. So we need to be open with one another. Amen? The Bible has answers. How do I find out how good my heart is? If I have a good soil or not? The Bible gives us the answer for how do we do that. The next passage, it says, But he... Who does the truth. This is the New King James Version, which I, I thought was really good. He said, but he who does the truth. Do we do truth? But he who does the truth comes into the light. That his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. I think another version. I says, but he who comes into truth. So that it may be done, that it will be done through God. Again, it's, it's our own relationship with God. That's what we're trying to cultivate together. Not just playing church or, you know, people and this and that. But we're foremost accountable to God. Let me close out with a couple of passages here. And I want to give some practicals on how we can do that. You know, Jonah fought God. He was called to preach to the people of Nineveh. 
a great enemy to the people of Israel. And Nineveh, Nineveh was to the east, and he went to the west as far as he could. The historian says that he went as far as southern Spain, perhaps, in Tarshish. He ran away, and God convicted him, threw him into the tombs. He'd rather die than to obey God's word. And God was merciful enough to, to really teach him a lesson. And this was his conclusion as he was getting ready to obey God's word and go to Nineveh to do what God has asked him. He says, those who cling on to worthless idols. This is a memory scripture. It's such a great scripture. I think it's something that's, oh man, I can't give this up. Those who cling on to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Okay. What is a good heart? What is a good heart? A good heart is someone that says, yeah, I, I, it's okay to wrestle with things. Christianity is about wrestling. That's why the Bible says what? The Bible says the word who wrestle, you know, who, who persevere, you know, who hold on to the word. It's a wrestling with the word. I think a lot of us, we've been around for a while, and I want to ask you a question. How, how, how well are we wrestling with God's Word? It's okay to doubt. That's part of faith. Doubt makes us ask questions. It calls us to ask people, what does this say? What does this mean? And to triangulate what the Scripture means for me at that time. Not according to my own opinion, but what does it really say? And certainly Jonah wrestled. And he says, listen, I've, I've wrestled and I found out that those who cling on to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. What idols are is so valuable in our lives that we are willing to forfeit the grace that could be ours? What idols? You know, idols of perhaps bitterness, perhaps a, a great job somewhere that just really fills our hearts and our minds. Anger towards somebody. Laziness. Comfort. That's a big one. We want comfort. You know, we want people to comfort us. You know, that's, that's like our goal is to, to, to be comforted. To be understood. That's a big one. I always hear that. Yeah, it's good to be understood. But you know, I read the Bible. There's plenty of people that weren't understood, man. And they just kept on going. They just kept, you know, they let God be the judge. They let God be the understanding person. I've talked to God so many times. He's, he's always a great listener. He's never talked back to me. It's pretty cool. Every time. Every time. You know, Thomas Edison said this. He said, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Perseverance. He said, people just don't realize how close they are. So, we have a choice set before us. What kind of Christianity, what kind of relationship with God do we want? We want a relationship with God where we're just soothed, you know, kind of like Saul, you know, with David playing, playing the instrument so that we can feel better. Come down a little bit. Or do we want a relationship with God where God challenges us and fills our mind with wonder and thoughts and His words that challenges our character 
Because he loves us too much to leave us just the way that we are. Is that the kind of relationship that we want with God? Or the former? That is what lays before us today as we look at the parable of the sower. That's what it's saying to us. These are the different soils. This is the one that I look at, that this is what I want for you. Imagine if we all do that together. We got, what, about six more weeks to go? Seven more weeks? I'm so excited. I love the holidays. Seven more weeks? Here's what I I want to challenge for you today. Every day, from now until the end of the year, I want to set a little limit to it. Every day, from now until the end of the year, Pick a word, pick, pick, pick a Bible book, pick some topic every day. We get in the word every day. In the morning, you, maybe, you get, you, oh man, some days you forget, you're too tired, you run out. I do that. Lunchtime, you know, you open it up, you crack open the scriptures. Maybe lunchtime, you have an emergency meeting. I got that too. Maybe at night when you come home, take a walk before dinner. Better yet, take a walk after dinner. You need it. Right? Say a prayer. Look at some scriptures together. Can we do that? Commit together as, as, a, as a people until the end of the year? I go, wow, Ken, come on. No, I'm telling you. It's, it's a good challenge. From now until the end of the year, we crack a, a, a something. From, we read a chapter a day. Something to get in the Word. Amen? Let me close out with this as we get ready for communion. What is Jesus' relationship to the Word of God. How, how, how are they related? Let's have a discussion together. And then honestly assess your relationship with God's words in recent years. How excited are we? Maybe some of us are. Share about that. How, how intrigued are we at God's Word? What are we getting out of it? And if we don't get anything out of it, it's a good opportunity to ask someone, help me to get something out of God's word. Amen? And what is your plan for 2020? What is our plan for 2020? You know, I I got a journal, Bible. I'm changing, growing, journaling. Sounds like such a weird thing. You never do. let's see me do that 20 years ago. Journaling? It was like a diary I'm journaling, all right? I'm growing. Yeah, I got a journal Bible. Get, get, get something. Get something to spice up our relationship with God. Amen? So I'm going to close out, pray as we take communion together in our table. Let's have a discussion. Let's uh, put those, um, the question back on, and then we can kind of look back, refer back to it. But uh, let's talk about that. What is our relationship with God's Word? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful to you, God, today that we can be together, get ready for a meal, and and, and really commune with you first. Father, help us to really think through our relationship with you. God, have we been listening to you, God? Have we been paying attention to your word? And that, uh, God, we want to really make a good change for 2020 uh, coming up. God, we love you so much. Thank you so much for Jesus and all that he did for us on the cross. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Five minutes. Let's do it. All right, I hope we uh, had a really good discussion. Uh, Sorry to mess up the instruction there. At this time, what we're going to do is we're going to pray as we take the elements, and then uh, we'll take communion together. Let's pray. Okay, ready?
Heavenly Father, we come before you uh, today uh, really as a people that, of the book. God, the, the question is simply, Jesus is the Word of God. And he came in the flesh, but he came in the Word as well. And how do we have a relationship with him? Is really having a relationship with the words that he left behind. God, help us to appreciate, God, just the cost of that uh, word, Father, him having to, to pay it on the cross for us. And God, the Bible says that for the joy set before me endured the cross, that we can have moments like these. God, as we take the elements, as we take uh, the bread and the wine or the fruit of the juice, uh, which represent his body and his blood, obviously, for us, God, it's help us to remember and be grateful and to celebrate this time together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.